And we bring in Al Batts, uh, welcoming him in this morning. Uh, Karen, of course, uh, on vacation this week. So, Al, I get the opportunity to chat with you uh, for today. We were just uh, just talking about, uh, yes, Karen, uh, Karen Off, uh, originally for the fair... But that uh, that's not uh, not going on this week. Although I think that there was some uh, some online some Zoom portions to things with uh, perhaps 4H and, and that kind of stuff. But not the not the great get together that everyone is so used to. What a strange uh, strange time it seems to be. It sure is. I um, I know there's a lot of people that are walking around with uh, deep fried food on a stick withdrawal, <laughs> and uh, there's I see all these little food trucks all around. Sure. I'm talking to a brother-in-law, and over the weekend he had to go to Oatana because there was a food truck out at Fleet Farm or somewhere over there selling cheese curds. So he had to go there and overdose on cheese curds because he does that once a year and usually does it at a fair. Sure. He made the point of going over there just to get cheese curds because he was having these withdrawal symptoms. I love it. Hats off. (laughs) That's right. And uh, I was talking to him about he should try poutine sometime, uh, and uh, he had not heard of it. And poutine is is really good, but folks, I don't know that there's anything good in there for you. It's uh, french fries and cheese curds with gravy poured over it, and um, it, it is really good. I asked once about how many calories or something were in. I was in Canada, and the guy said, oh, would you like the the healthy edition of poutine? I said, I would, and he threw a few green peas on top. <laughs> so it was uh, cheese curds, french fries, gravy with a few peas on it. So It is a beautiful day, and as we know as good Minnesotans, each day the weather answers our questions from the day before, because we're always saying, well, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Now we know. I um, Work had piled pretty high here, and it's funny how work, if you're home all the time, it's just a different kind of work, but it still piles up, so I was late getting out for my hike. I'm a chronic walker. And a cardinal helped me put one foot in front of another by offering an encouraging boogity, boogity, boogity. I'm not sure it was done intentionally, but my day's goal had been not to upset the blue jays. I have a lot of blue jays here in the yard, and a lot of things irritate them. And my wife has told me that if I don't know what the problem is, it's me. So I knew it was me. One day, I saw the source of their outrage had a yellow bill and black eyes, and it wasn't me glaring at an ancient invoice. It was a barred owl. Uh, Canada geese have been flying overhead. The goslings have uh, uh, recently begun their flying lives, and the adults have regained theirs after a molt had left them flightless, and they fly together, a family of aviators. I saw a few turkey vultures circling up in the sky, and I'm, I'm certain something is on the road there that had been run over. Uh, turkey vultures do not prefer aged meat. Uh, vultures prefer meat as fresh as possible. They won't eat extremely rotted carcasses. 
Uh, turkey vultures are scavenger birds. They can't kill their prey. The Cherokees call them peace eagles because of that. And if you see the feet of one, if you ever happen across one, maybe in some sort of bird show, their feet are more like that of a chicken than a hawk or an eagle. And so they're useless for ripping into prey. But the vultures have powerful beaks that can tear through really tough hides. I know uh, down in Texas they told me they have black vultures there too, but they can tear through cow hides, a dead cow. Uh, they feed by thrusting their heads into the body cavities of rotting animals and yanking stuff out, like my brother-in-law eating cheese curds over the weekend. Uh, butterflies fill the yard here. It's their home, and I'm just walking through it. The air was made of painted ladies, red admirals, sulfurs, cabbage whites, monarchs, question marks, azures. I'm missing some. And my wife said it was the butterfly version of the movie The Birds. Uh, it, only it was believable and in a benign way. Uh, yellow was the predominant color of the insects. Those are the sulfurs, There's a, like a sulfur butterfly factory. Butterflies don't have lungs. They breathe through tiny open, openings on their sides of their bodies that carry oxygen through tubes to the rest of the body. So it's just really neat to see them. Uh, seeing a lot of tall plants with flowers resembling dandelions and leaves that look like thistle leaves. They're growing on the roadsides. Uh, they're perennial. I always call them field sow thistles, but I see a lot of books and things refer to them as perennials. Perennial sow thistle. And they grow up to five feet high. They bloom July to October. Asters and Joe Pye weed are blooming. Cicadas are calling. Folklore says that cicadas start singing six weeks before a frost. And their singing heralds warm and dry days ahead. I, I have to admit their heads-up frost warnings aren't known for their accuracy. Uh, you hear them early in July, and there's been years when I even heard them at the end of June. So that whole six weeks to the frost thing is just not right. When I was growing up, another thing that wasn't right is they were called locusts all the time. They aren't. Locusts are a type of grasshopper, and cicadas are related to crickets. And cicadas typically sing from July to the first frost. There's something to really look forward to as we... Uh, head uh, that direction. We get to late summer. There's these little small obscure insects known as insidious flower bugs or minute pirate bugs, and they make their presence known in a convincing manner by biting with an impact out of proportion to their size. They're small enough that some people call them noceums, and some others can make them disappear by removing their eyeglasses. They're that small. You just can't see them. They can be an annoyance, but I still remain thankful that raccoons can't fly. Uh, Trombone Don uh, asked about uh, some uh, stinging uh, insects yesterday, or yeah, last week. He talked about a tarantula, or asked about a tarantula hawk wasp. And I mentioned that there was a fellow by the name of Schmidt who had uh, written about all these. So I had to look it up because I thought uh, Justin Schmidt had written a book, and he did. It's called The Sting of the Wild. And he studied all these things that bite and sting. And I know the most, uh, the 
the worst stinging, the most impactful sting is from the bullet ant from Central and South America. And in his book, Justin Schmidt said it feels like walking over a flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail embedded in your heel. And it lasts for a full 24 hours. The second most painful insect sting is that tarantula hawk wasp. And he said if you're stung by a tarantula hawk wasp, lie down and scream. That gives you something to do until the pain subsides. And the pain for that lasts about five minutes at the max, so the bullet ant, 24 hours. And either one, you know, you'll have a story to tell. So it's uh, a lot of things out there that uh, really have some uh, bites and stings. I believe the tarantula hawk wasp is a state insect of New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bobby Forster sent me a, a recording. She's from Hollandale. She said, sounds like a bird gulping down something. It's a yellow-billed cuckoo. When I was a boy, they were called rain crows because they often called when it was thundering. Uh, Tom and Nancy Jones sent me a, a few photos of these things. They say, eating our hedge plants. What are they? Oh, those beautiful creatures are Japanese beetles, Tom and Nancy. They have this voracious appetite. They've been known to eat over 300 different kinds of plants. Um, hand pick or knock the beetles into a bucket of soapy water to get rid of them. And the best time to remove them would be in the evening or the morning when the beetles are on the plants and they're still they're cool and sluggish. Uh, don't use Japanese beetle traps. Uh, talk your neighbors into using them. They seem to attract more beetles than they do away with. So if all your neighbors get them, they'll all leave your place. Uh, hanging a trap in a home garden is just not an effective way to protect plants. Again, they may attract more insects to your yard. Uh, some folks I know use neem oil. That's N-E-E-M. It's effective for several days, but you have to repeat the applications. It helps detour, detour, or detour, uh, detour probably too, uh, Japanese beetles, but is less effective when large numbers are present. Uh, the, but the good thing about neem oil is it's low risk to bees and other beneficial insects. So good luck. I heard from Tom and Nancy after I sent them a reply. He's, uh, Tom said, I think I like the Beatles live in Japan better. So, yeah. Uh, Jody Swenson of Oatana sent my wife something, a uh, photo, and said, what is this creature? It was a one to two inch long, this was a big one, looked like it was two inch long wasp, and it's called a pigeon tremex. And uh, when I was a boy, they were called horntails. They're reddish-brown head, reddish-brown and black thorax. They have a black abdomen. They have yellowish stripes. They have long, amber-colored wings. And the females, this was a female, has a conspicuous ovipositor that they use to lay eggs. They're associated with declining recently dead hardwood trees, especially maple, oak, and elm. Uh, during August and September, they really uh, aren't a problem for folks. When I was a boy, they would sometimes come in the house and we'd find them in the winter. Well, they'd come in with a firewood. They do not infest wood. They don't harm trees. Another insect one, Daniel Otten of Hayward sent me this uh, photo and he said, these things are all over my deck. What are they? They're bark lice. 
bark lice. Uh, the adults are maybe a quarter inch long. They have shiny black wings, which are held in a tent-like fashion over their abdomens. And to me, they look like a fountain pen point. Uh, nymphs appear dark gray. They have pale yellow banding uh, between segments. The adults and nymphs have round heads. They have uh, conspicuous antenna. They are typically encountered as a colony containing a mixture of nymphs and adults. The young adults are almost white in color, but then darken as they get older. Adults are reluctant to fly. They can. That's their primary means of dispersal. They're very social, and they move as a mass. And these herd-like movements have earned them the nickname bark cattle or tree cattle. And the term lice tends to make people uneasy, but they're not the blood-sucking lice normally associated with human bodies. Uh, apart from their small size, they have nothing in common with human lice. They eat fungus, lichen, algae, broken bark, and other plant debris off tree trunks, decks, and other wooden things. And they like damp areas where the humidity fosters growth and degradation of their food. They're harmless. They don't sting or they bite. Um, they're just a really that just that was so cool to see them. I hadn't seen them for so many years. Uh, Daniel, you made my day by sending that. Uh, Ken Nelson of Clark's Grove said, "There's barn swallows building a nest on my house on July 30th. Isn't that a little late?" Uh, Ken, they do have two broods, so I'm assuming this would be a second brood. And um, a lot of folks, a lot of listeners I know, are very familiar with barn swallows. Uh, the males and females build a nest cup using mud. They collect the mud in their bills, and sometimes they'll mix it with grass stems to make pellets. And they construct a small shelf to sit on, then they build the nest sides, and if it's built against a wall or any kind of vertical surface, the result is a semicircular half-cup shape. Nests built on top of a beam or other horizontal surface form a complete cup about, oh man, I'm holding my fingers far apart here so everybody can see, maybe three inches across at the rim and a couple inches deep. And the birds line the cup first with grass and feathers. Uh, in colonies, they may steal uh, nest materials from neighboring nests. They clean, they will reuse nests. They clean them out and add new mud to the nest rim. Three to seven eggs, 12 to 17 days incubation. A nestling period varies greatly, 15 all the way up to 27 days. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee sent along a great article from uh, the New York Times, The Mysterious Life of Birds Who Never Come Down. It's about swifts, and it's by uh, Helen McDonald, who wrote a wonderful book called H's for Hawk. Uh, John Schlottweiler of New Alm said, About 40 years ago, I lived in a small town in western Minnesota. We had a pair of western kingbirds that nested on a transformer platform in the alley. Every time I mowed the lawn, one of the pair would come and perch on the clothesline and pick off the bugs that the mower was kicking up. Both the birds and I considered it a mobile food plot. And uh, most folks now were, uh, were accompanied by barn swallows as we mow the lawn. Uh, Don Grussing said, interesting behavior in my neighborhood. The bluebirds are working hard to catch bugs for their second hatch. A male Phoebe has made it harder. He follows the bluebirds, and when they drop from their perch to retrieve a bug, he beats them to it. 
or sometimes tries to snatch it from them right in the air. Luckily, his nest appears to be off a ways, so they have enough moments of free hunting to keep going. The Phoebe is the most active in the morning, but bluebirds hunt all day long. Kent Spellman of Albert Lee uh, sent uh, sent me an email last week and uh, talking about cicada killer wasp. And Kent said, we're going to try the fruit jar over the hole as a more humane way to go. Looking forward to next week. And I want to thank a listener who suggested the uh, putting the fruit jar over the hole. So thanks to her. A Sue Keeter saw a marbled godwit in Lesseur County. Art Check said, I saw two common nighthawks perched on a power line. I have never seen this before and thought it was unusual. This was about 8 o'clock at night or so. Earlier this summer, I saw a red-headed woodpecker fly from a farmstead across the road to what I thought would be the wooden power pole, which I have seen many times. Instead, it landed on the power line. Just thought it strange to witness two birds in one summer land on power lines, neither of which I would have typically expected. So that's cool. Uh, Tim Scott of Mankato, Timmy said, uh, almost sent me a photo. Five nestlings in a barn swallow nest. And they look like they're just crammed in there. If you think of the extreme opposite of uh, social distancing, that's what that would that photo indicated. Um, Mariah Morris of Albert Lee sent me a photo of a feather that she'd found on the ground and said, what kind is this? Uh, most folks, when they send feathers that they find, is typically one of two. It's a turkey or a Canada goose. They seem to be the ones that everybody finds. Uh, flickers are another one that's pretty common. This one was definitely a raptor. It was not a barred owl. It was not a Cooper's hawk. It didn't have those thick barring. Uh, a red-tailed hawk was close, but I think it's a great horned owl feather that you have there, Mariah. Uh, Michael Etkin saw in Watwan County a willow flycatcher, clay-colored sparrow. Aaron Peach in Nicollet County saw a blue grosbeak. Ron Erpelding saw a marble godwit in Lesseur County, and Doug Keezer saw a yellow-billed cuckoo in Martin County. Paul Ryzen said he birded Saragordo County, Saragordo in Iowa, Mason City, that area, saw stilt and solitary sandpipers, willow flycatcher, northern mockingbird, Carolina wren, field sparrow, and grasshopper sparrow. So he added those to his list of birds that he'd seen in Saragordo County, and he went over 200. Uh, Paul is attempting to see 200 birds in every county in Iowa. And he said, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to add this. And, of course, I don't mind, Paul. It's, uh, he said, be safe for yourself and for others. Seriously, wear a mask when in proximity of others, even while birding. It's our choice to be unsafe for ourselves, but it should be our responsibility to be safe as, as safe for others as possible. This is not political, but more in the mind, line of caring for others. And, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I wear one when I'm out there wandering around, unless I'm all by myself birding out in the, kind of the middle of nowhere, and then, of course, I take it off. But, uh, boy, yeah, when you're in the company of others, you should do that. So thanks. Thanks, Paul, for that reminder. Does anything eat the berries of Jack in the Pulpit? 
this is from someone who says his name is not Jack, but does anything eat the berries of the Jack in the pulpit? In autumn, this plant bears a cluster of bright red berries. A few mammals feed on this plant as it contains calcium oxalate crystals that could burn a mouth, and that makes the plant uh, just unedible and poisonous. Uh, Some birds, including wild turkeys and pheasants, eat the berries. And it might be, uh, I get asked this question quite often uh, about the difference between poison and venomous. Uh, Are rattlesnakes poisonous or venomous? We often hear about poisonous snakes. Uh, Poisonous is used for anything that poisons or unloads its toxins in us if we ingest it. So those uh, berries from the jack in the pulpit, they're poisonous. Venomous is used for anything that poisons, injects toxins into us if it bites or stings us. So rattlesnakes are indeed venomous. Why do I see so many crows in the fields of mowed hay? And thanks for KMSU, they add at the end of that. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, They're there for the food. Very often when you see birds anywhere, it's food-related. They they eat animals. Crows eat animals that didn't survive the mowing. Mowing kills uh, quite a few things. The crows also gob up voles, mice, large insects, bird eggs that all of a sudden have limited cover. You might have had this perfect uh, fort, and then it was taken down. Also look for vultures and kestrels out there doing the same thing, feeding on stuff. Uh, What eats slugs is a texter. Uh, Firefly larvae, toads. Toads are great eaters of slugs. I love toads. Uh, Salamanders, uh, some snakes, shrews, moles, raccoons, possums. Possums will eat anything. Uh, Chickens, ducks, songbirds. There are some songbirds. Robins will eat slugs. I don't know that there's a whole lot of songbirds that will eat slugs, but I would imagine those that would eat worms, like earthworms, would probably eat slugs. So uh, I am a poultry. I have I am a small poultry farmer, and I raise chickens and ducks and guinea fowl and geese. Would a squirrel eat a mallard egg? I, you know, I've never seen it happen, but I wouldn't think it's impossible. The culprit would be probably more likely a raccoon or some other predator, but I've heard stories of squirrels eating chicken eggs, but I've not witnessed that either. They will eat bird eggs, so they would certainly devour the shells of hatched duck eggs. And if they, those eggs are just so big for them, but if they are brave enough to come into the nest and eat it while in the nest, I don't know why they, why they wouldn't do that. As I say, squirrels love eggs, so it's uh, very possible. Uh, I hope uh, the texture will put up maybe like a trail cam or something. If it's happening on a, a regular basis, you know, get a cheap trail cam or, or borrow one from somebody and just see what's going in there and uh, eating those. That would be really cool to see. I know sometimes there's a, a problem with darkness in these places where it's hard to see what is doing this, but if a squirrel's doing it, it's going to be during the daytime.
So I, I would love to hear back from you if a squirrel is indeed the predator. I think uh, squirrels are such amazing creatures that I would not put anything whatsoever uh, past a squirrel. They're just capable of doing many things. Uh, 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 this is from a, uh, an online classroom. It says, Al, what has webbed feet other than ducks or geese? Oh, uh, my Uncle Harry. Uh, and no, he wouldn't. He'd be the only one that I can think of. No, actually, uh, swans, gulls, loons, uh, birds like puffins, albatross, terns, flamingos, some penguins, not all of them, uh, beavers, uh, muskrats, some kinds of frogs, salamanders, and turtles. So there's quite a few things out there that would have those. Uh, they also asked, uh, said, my, uh, my grandfather told me about a duck called an old squaw, but we have a field guide, and it's not in there. Um, yeah, the duck's name was changed to Longtail Duck, and the organization that uh, is in charge of names felt that the old name was not, it was everything. It hit the trifecta. It was ageist, sexist, and racist. So it was a pretty easy change for them, but uh, as uh, something that was around for so long, I still hear a lot of people referring to him as an old squaw. They are probably the duck that we see that, uh, and we don't see them here very often, but see them in the Midwest some, that are the deepest diving of all the ducks we have, I would guess, would be the long-tailed duck. And I remember going out on about a 30-below day uh, leading a field trip, and we walked out under the breakwaters on Lake Superior, which I, I don't recommend anybody does on a 33-below day, uh, to see long-tailed ducks and harlequin ducks. We did it twice. That's how brilliant we were. And I was their leader, and they, they followed me, which I don't know what that said about them. Uh, it was just a sad had as far as a reflection on them but we all got to see the ducks and we were happy campers and we sat in the bus for a long time before we were willing to go outside again because we had quite a drive so we got warmed up before we got outside and froze again it is a uh, lovely day to get outside. I hope everybody has an opportunity. If you don't, just walk by a window every so often and just stop because you need a break. You're busy. You're working too hard. Everybody tells you that. You're working too hard. Just stop at that window and take a look outside, and you will be surprised how lucky you will be to see some things. I thought about some years ago, as luck would have it, I found myself in Luck, Wisconsin, it was my good luck to be working in the yo-yo capital of the world. In 1946, Duncan started manufacturing yo-yos in luck, producing as many as 3,600 of them in an hour. Kids have yo-yos instead of video games, or had yo-yos instead of video games in those bygone days. Napoleon and his army were said to have relaxed with yo-yos before the Battle of Waterloo. I don't have video games or a yo-yo. I have Zoom. I taught a class on Zoom recently. I've taught writing, birding, journaling, storytelling, uh, on and on classes, but always in person. And I did the first few minutes of teaching on Zoom, trying to emulate the good teachers I had. 
before I realized that my video screen had cut off my head. <laughs> it wasn't Zoom's fault. It was mine. I've been, again, married long enough to know when there's a problem, I'm it. My only excuse was that I had none. The class expected a brainless instructor, but they got a headless one, too. <laughs> I should have used a yo-yo. Remember, ah. folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Thanks for listening to some wild today. Look at a bird, and Dwayne, I interrupted you. You were going to say something. No, I was just going to say everybody's getting used to that Zoom, and uh, it's a wonderful tool, but it takes some getting used to. It is. Do you, do you put up a virtual background when you do it? Uh, I have in the past. Uh, generally, uh, generally, it's just my office in the background there. I'm not uh, not terribly creative in that, but I, I've had some fun with it a little bit. How about I've you? Done both. I've done like the Golden Gate Bridge and sure. some of my photos, but a lot of times I have this messy office with books stacked at every angle and. Usually that's what I end up in front of because that's where I love those books. Well, so trying to get them some airtime. Exactly, Albat in his uh, in his native area there, in, in, the, right. in the native Albat habitat. <laughs> that's exactly. <right>. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Al, and Carrot will be back with you next week, and uh, you are a treasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dwayne. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You Bye-bye. as well. That is Al Bat, a naturalist with us, Tuesdays at 10. You're on 89.7 The Maverick.